Hi everybody and welcome to the Endless Cells podcast. I hope you're all well who's watching over 10 minutes late, but we had a bit of uh, difficulties at the start. We're meant to be joined by Paul McFarlane, but unfortunately he couldn't hear us, but we could hear him. It was a whole rigmarole and we had to just kind of kick on with him, but he will be on at another stage once we sort out the technical difficulties. Anyone in the comments have any idea why, please let us know. That'll be great help. I'm joined today by Franny M. Ross. How are you? Hi, all right, mate. Stressful day, stressful moments uh, before we come on there but I feel bad for Paul because uh, obviously he was looking forward to coming on but I mean the last person in the world you're going to ask the fact it is me <laughs> How about yourself Franny, how are you mate? Hi, all good Stephen similar to Ross, it's a shame that Paul couldn't come on and that he seemed buzzing and stuff but our technical knowledge uh, went as far as Ross and up writing a bit of paper, try your volume so the guy had no chance of fixing it let's be honest <laughs> To be fair, the reason why we were 10 minutes late it took Ross 10 minutes to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but before I click into the, the double cover of self, I do want to uh, make everyone aware of the table uh, so far. So then the Celts SPFL predictor league table is as follows. McGinty's still out on top with 22. James Fallon second, 21. Ross, here third with 18. I'm fourth for 14. Anthony Dunn is 13th. Willie sixth. Franny seventh. Gavin is eighth. And languishing on the same points, but last is Jeb, as you can see in red there. But I mean, I do, I do want to start. Now, I was going to do the, the quick-fire questions. I'm still going to do it. So it's a wee bit of fun that, that Gavin's introduced into the podcast and kind of breaks it a wee bit, breaks it up a wee bit, because we'll be talking about different things tonight. And Franny, I'll do it with yourself. And in the comments as well, get involved too. You can see there's plenty of obvious in already. I do appreciate the young Paul's in already. Plums McNuggets, Sam, Fran, 420. We're all in, ready to watch, ready to talk football. But before this, quick-fire, Franny, you ready? Go for it. Pack. First, texting or talking? Sorry? Uh, was, texting or talking? Ah, texting. I'll text on, mate. Favourite ever Celtic player? Larson. Fill in the blank. Peter Lowell is? Bleak. You have to say it? i see you next Tuesday. Right, okay. Favourite TV show? I don't know. 24 hours in police custody. I don't know, Ken. I don't really watch TV, Stephen. 24 hours in police custody? I don't really watch TV. Man. I don't really watch TV. Right. You're a Celtic cult hero. Cult hero? Uh, I don't know. There's Malty's favourite show. Ah, you know. We oh, got oh, jeez, eh, peeps, man. Eh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, Cult Hero, Cult Hero, Paul Hartley. Paul Hartley, interesting choice. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Happy. Who's faster, a gat or Maeda? Ah, uh, it's surely Maeda. I think it'd be a close one. A gat was some speed, I don't like some speed. Feels like my rapid. Your dream car. Quite gotta be kind of boring. A, a Range Rover Sport, mate. Range Rover it's Sport, man. It's just a football hang, isn't it? It's a football hang. Aye. Football Over here, hang. all the wee bag dealers drive them. You can tell them a mile off. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> Franny's working his way up to a Range Rover Aye. Sport. 
He's on the He's got the wee satchel the new for the pub. Oh, aye. I've got the satchel. I've got the new promoted yet to him. Franny the road, man. One super power, what would it be? Invisibility. Why? To rob banks. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Your favourite Celtic era? Uh, Martin Ailes era, like early 2000s was good because it was proper competitive and stuff. And then finally, a hero of sport outside of Celtic? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, yeah. So that's, that's a great for many, reasons, for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the common person <laughs> found them. So, and then Dion comes in, Robin Banks to get that Range Rover sport. <laughs> like Ross said, to be fair, he's working his way up. He's got the wee satchel. He's running about in the track suits. He'd be there soon. He'd be there soon. Yeah, but look, we'll, we'll get stuck in it, Ross. Rome was a day, lads. Rome was a golden day. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get stuck into it. Obviously, there, there was something that's going to start with tonight, but again, we'll put that on the back burner. Celtic have announced on their Twitter pages, social media accounts, that they're going to be um, starting work on the, the state-of-the-art training facilities at Barrowfield. I think it's meant to be completed within a year or two years. So we'll see how that goes. But it's a, a big chunk of investment by the club. And I've seen, and to be fair, I do agree with the aspect that the accounts are probably going to be quickly followed tomorrow morning with a a shutdown of all social media accounts of Celtic over the weekend. Obviously, the game has to be covered, but out with that. But your initial reactions, I mean, we all talk about modern clubs and, and kind of improving the standards, and I welcome the training facilities being upgraded. <laughs> they were talking about the youth as well, kind of the future stars of Celtic within that damn video that Jerry McCulloch done. Although we need the right people behind that, the right team behind that, the drive, the, the, the youngsters of the future and the stars of Celtic in years to come. But what's your initial reaction to it and obviously the, the cynical side of people thinking that it's trying to distract what's going to be record-breaking accounts in the next couple of days or so people who are thinking tomorrow it kind of takes away from the, the positive nature of that announcement Is that to me? Yeah, Ross uh, um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's good that they're Martin Neal is the best era Absolutely. By the way, that would have been my answer, Stephen Hendry as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's mental. <laughs> um, aye, listen, uh, upgrading that area and keeping it within the club uh, and using it how they're planning to use it is great. But, I mean, uh, is it going to benefit us that much, really, when you think about the way, well, obviously, <clears throat> there's no, like, Reserve League and all that, they're playing in the Lowland League. So, out with Celtic, it's still going to be the same setup. So, these young guys, albeit they're going to come through a really good um, academy, if you like, and have really good facilities at the finish up when they get to about 16, 17, if they're shown promise, they're still going to move on if they get a decent enough offer because they set up out with Celtic, what they'd be playing in against hatchet men and stuff like that when they can go away and play in, in better reserve leagues or whatever. So, again, as good as it is, the, the set-up overall in the country has to be better for the youth for us to probably reap the benefits more of doing what they're going to do to Barrowfield. Yeah, I 
I think as well, like, there must be something in the works that's going to change <laughs> if they're going to make, I think it was said it was like £20 million, Ross, an investment into that kind of facility. Like you said, the, the, the youth football is stagnant at the minute. Lowland League players should get bored of it, obviously, to playing against, as you said, hats of men and part-time footballers. It is good to learn your training in some aspects of it, but the reserve league, in my opinion, was much better because you can mix the, the, the experienced professional with the youngster coming through. You can't, there's not really any of that flexibility, no more to do that, Franny. I think Sam Fran comes in. There's money being, to be made. The women's game now and in the future, hence the investment, all, all boys down to money. It could be a number of things, and that's obviously a main, main issue. I think one of the focus points was the women's <laughs> football team is going to play out of that um, facility. They're going to train there. They're going to do their gym and, and all that kind of thing, which is good to kind of keep it in one area with, with the youth academy. But like what Ross said, it could be 20 million through down the drain if we don't improve the, the youth setup and also the setup we have within to produce these top-class top, top youngsters. I, it, it could very well be money down the drain and it's clearly an investment that you're not going to see short-term returns on at the end of the day. This is a long-term investment which probably should have been getting done ages ago because um, Barrafield's it's an embarrassment. I mean, it's fairly recently that we were the actual first team was training there at Winyanka, but it's not too long ago they actually done that. But I, I agree with what Anthony is saying as well. We do, we do need to upgrade Lengstown, but I think Barrafield for me, is more a priority just to... as we, we are struggling to keep some youth players. A lot of that, there's mitigated factors, not just into the training field and things like that, but if they've got better sort of a training facilities, better like a match day experience, if you like, uh, with it being a wee sort of a, a mini stadium and it all being there, that might help them uh, integrate them better, better, keep them there. But a lot of it will come be down come down to the league they're playing and if they're still playing the Lowland League then players are still got to go there's the, the class isn't there um, they play against it's there doesn't seem to be it's the Lowland League whilst it's competitive football and I've said before I was all for it because it was competitive football but then when they started putting sort of the terms and conditions so you can only play five games in the first team first team players can't pick up some fitness in it it's not really what it's cracked up to be. I think we really need to look at getting getting a reserve league back and just trying trying to get better competitive football and a wee bit of accountability because I I said that when we spoke about it recently as well. Stephen Dan Nadine and Stephen McManus are yeah got a team in the Lord League language and about mid table maybe slightly below mid table. I know they're probably told to play a certain way, but they've got to be able to be doing better than that. Surely there has to be accountability for. Celtic yeah. reserves essentially being that passion in that league. That's why I've always thought it'd be better to get an outside coach in. Like someone, I know that Darren O'Day and McManus is good, they know Celtic, they know the city, all them cliche statements, but if you're looking to develop youngsters, Ross, and I, look, I'm not pissing on their, their coaching credentials. They obviously have some coaching grades and they wouldn't be in that position otherwise, but you look at it, and, and like Franny said, with the funds that we have at our disposal, which we'll come on to again, it's always a topic we'll have to talk about, and then the youngsters we should be producing to be mid-table in the Lona League isn't good enough. And then on, on the other hand, we're saying we should be doing a better standard to bring back the reserve league or that type of thing. So it kind of goes hand in hand. We're not proving that the youngsters aren't proving themselves at this level. Then what makes you think they, they can make it at the next level, so to speak, up the leagues through the Scottish pyramid system? Because at the end of the day, Rocco Vada, like you, Ross, you even got annoyed at that whole saga in January. I think we all did at one point. It was like, will he go? Will he stay? And this guy hasn't even been impacted on the first team. 
He's just living off his dad's name at the minute. We don't know the actual potential he has. It's it's a it's a strange situation. I don't know what you think about the coaching side of things, but I think it's a good point that Franny did bring in because yeah, it's great to have these guys who've been around a club with the experience, but you need that top quality coach to develop them. Like a Brendan Rogers does or used to do, so to speak, with first team players. You bring them on to a new level. You need that with the youngsters as well. Um uh, well I, but I mean I, I'm not gonna sit here and uh, slag their credentials um, because I don't really know nothing about their credentials as coaches but I mean for me I don't think it's a massive shame uh, on young laddies essentially who are playing against big strong men who are going to be physical I don't think, listen you expect them to be technically better but I think that's very difficult for the young guys to come up against these these uh, probably, well guys that are fully developed Ross you're like you're in a plush jail cell in the H block. This is a wee spare room. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's that bad to be mid-table in that because it, it's it's not easy. The, these are young boys, as I say, coming up against fully grown men. Probably getting out-muscled and stuff like that. As I said, uh, that, that you'd expect Celtic to be technically more gifted, but... Uh, I'm not going to say I actually didn't know until you said there now that they were mid-table. That's how much attention I actually pay to the youth set-up. But, um, aye, listen. <laughs> hey, I, I don't I don't think it's a big deal that they're, they're mid-table in that. If they were mid-table playing against um, all young guys, either their same age group, uh, and at the same sort of development as a, a as a human being, um, then I'd be more worried. But coming up against fully grown men doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, and Paul McFarlane, I think Stephen's chatted tonight having me on live. I will be back. You will be back, buddy. Uh, Again, yeah. we do apologise. We couldn't work it out. You know yourself. We tried like ten times, and it just didn't. It just didn't work for whatever right. reason. Them, them tac- technical gremlins were in stopping it. But look, we'll get to the bottom of it. Get you on shortly again. But in regards to the youth, look, I think it's, for me anyway, I like looking at training facilities, Lennox Town. I love all the wee videos that they show you behind the scenes and, and I'm a wee bit of a nerd about that, to be fair. But I do get it. The investment can be made in the wrong place and it can be, a, 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 as Monty said, as a deflection from what the reality is. We're sitting in millions in the bank. And it's a kind of a nice wee segue, Franny, the Peter Lawwell himself. See, and, uh, ahead, sorry, Stephen. See, just to obviously not come back on that as such, but see... I've obviously seen some of the comments coming up. It looks like the general consensus is that nobody is really into this redevelopment of Barrafield. But we knew about this months ago. And to me, if we were out, if the first team was out in the pitch winning games of football and we were flying high at the top of the league like we were last season, I think everybody would be on board with us. But because of the way the first team is, it changes the narrative completely and everybody starts comparing it. And listen, I understand that they haven't spent the money that people expected and wanted to, and I totally take that on board, but I just think that the narrative on that whole Barrafield thing completely changes if the first team is flying high at the top of the league. So I'm but glad I, I of the doctor as well, because we're, yeah. we're sitting talking about how we're no, there's no much youth coming through. This is a step to try and do that. I appreciate it's not going to happen next year, two years down the line. It's got to be a wee well down the line to see if this is working, but it's on one hand we're asking to get 
more youth to come through, but we're not wanting to put the investment in for the youth. And investment's the, good. Bank Ross is kind of bang bang on. It's just if if ever it was fine on the park, nobody would care about this. Is it a deflection tactic for the finances? Probably no, but it's going to look like it. Right. Well, well, I mean, the cynics, cynics will take it as that. That's not believing. It's not believing in it, but you, well, uh, going by what you're saying, you've got or sounding like you're, you think they've released this to try and deflect mm-hmm. away from going to announce record, well, what's led to believe is re- record numbers in the bank. How do you know that's the truth? You can't just well, say, the, you can't say that as fact, then what I've said is the, no fact. I'm not saying it's not a fact, but what I can, I mean, evidence, Celtic released their interim results the last five years, around about the start of February. We're, we're not in the middle of February. They've held on and held on. Look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it is the main reason why they're doing it. And I want to reiterate, I support the upgrading of training facilities. I'm not saying I don't. I love all, I love all that stuff. But I'm looking at it from the other point, and Ross, you said it as well. If the team were winning, the narrative could change, but the fact is we're not. We can't look and say if that, if buts and maybes. That that the fact is we're in a situation we are now. I'm not. Hi, actually, I'm not arguing against yeah. that. I'm just highlighting that that would be the case for me. Yeah, and I think the Boise bus comes in here. A uh, team would be flying high at the top of the league. Has there been more investment in the first team? So yeah, when it ties in with that new training, is also part of our investment. Defo be seen in a different light, and people have different opinions. Look, I just think I'm not disputing that. I'm just yeah. I, I'm I just not. For one second, disputing it, I'm just highlighting that that oh, would be yeah. the case. Yeah, <laughs> nah, to be fair, I tend to agree with you on that one. But I think that the deflection side of things is finally like you come back to me and said, I'm not, I'm trying to dismiss in terms of saying it's not a fact what you're saying. I'm not, I'm just saying Celtic have released their interim results really early <laughs> in February before. Mm-hmm. They've held off and held off. And it looks like the work's begun in this uh, development. And they've sent McCulloch up there and it was like, do a video, talk to the women's coach and, and say what we're going to get. It's going to cost 20 million quid. And what I found amazing about it, like there was no need for this question. He said it to the women's coach. And it was like, well, let's bring <laughs> us up to date with the with, with the facilities down in Lingler for the women's and all. And she's like, of course, of course. Like, what was it? You don't need to put them wee snippets in. That, that's why I'm thinking maybe it is a deflection tactic. But I do agree. If it, if we look back and felt like we're flying, we're 10 points clear, we'll be all, whoa, everyone will be on board with it and be like, this is a good investment. But We'll, we'll go on to the other stuff, uh, Franny, and I think it was the Herald, one of their articles. Uh, to be fair, I've seen it through other Celtic website today, websites and, and stuff like that. I thought it would be good to talk about. Said the kind of paraphrasing that Celtic in the, the top end, like the boardroom and owner level, are bemused at the abuse that Peter Lawwell's receiving because they're they're really hard in the face and he has no input in signings or the day-to-day run of the club. For me, I don't... <laughs> look, again... I don't necessarily believe that. I think a man of his stature come back into the position of strength and in terms of chairman, he's going to have an input somewhere. And he's not just sitting in the corner taking notes and taking time in meetings. He, he, he has an input somewhere. Whether it's recruitment, whether it's the day-to-day running or the structure within the football department itself, he has a voice. And I just think it's a bit mad and it shows me that the Celtic board aren't really taking the fans' concerns seriously if they're saying things like bemused or... We don't understand where this is coming from because you can see it on the pitch. You can see it within the divide and the support. And it, for me, it's loud and clear that there's an issue at the top level somewhere. I think, obviously, you, I've not seen the article, but kind of what you've been saying there, Stephen, I couldn't say, yes, I know that he's involved in transfers, but it certainly 
going by the body evidence that you have uh, prior, it, it looks like he has some form of influence. It, and has that to do with his laddie as well? Uh, just kind of, is it more the influences through, through uh, Mark Lawler? We know he kind of works some, well, I'm saying he maybe works some with his dad or he's taking advice from his dad and things like that. You just don't know. It's just, uh, again, I'm sitting saying on one hand, folk are maybe looking at the, the whole redevelopment. <laughs> Probably. Get, get used to them somehow. Um, I'm sitting saying folk will be cynical and saying Celtic are releasing this Barrafield training ground to deflect away for that. But then I've totally lost my train of thought there. But then I'm I, like the cynic in me is saying they'll look at what happened when Lowell, Lowell was there the first time with dilly dallied with transfers. Ange came in and Lowell wasn't there and Mark Lowell wasn't there. And we seemed to get transfers out of line pretty quick. Yes, there was a need, there was a bit of desperation in there. Needed them, it was Celtic were in a different sort of place. But then ever since he came back, Angie's last two windows weren't exactly brilliant. Um then obviously it looks like you're uh, you're pushing on for your position of strength when you, you hire Brendan Rogers in the summer. But then you seem to and then you bring in nine signings, which seems madness when you think about it when it's off the back of I think it's eleven now, isn't it? With Coon and I think it's Ida. 11, 11 now, but mm. obviously in the summer you're sitting going, team doesn't really need nine players. Probably doesn't need them. And been, you're thinking you've got to get proper, proper investment, but it just doesn't feel like... I mean, we're obviously speaking the benefit of hindsight. I was somewhere not really writing players off, just coming in the door and things like that. But you get six, seven, eight months out of these guys, then obviously... You've got the two new guys that just came in in the, the winter window. Kuhn, oh, I don't know why I let a guy off, but Jesus, man. Jesus, that's... I don't Kuhn know. Kuhn the blue. I think that could be three million spunked up there. Just, I think that could be three million just spunked away like that. Just, I don't know about the guy. This does not look like he's got to cut it. Either, I think, could be a good, good outlet, but, again, I just... I don't know. I just... I, is Lowell involved in transfers? I really don't care, but it's hard to argue against folk if they do believe. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to argue against it as well. Do you know I mean people are believing that's what this for valid reasons? Saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to argue against it. And then Ross, the boysy boss, comes in again. Is it is it Russell? By the way, if it is Russell, hello to anyone else hello mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, the cross handshake uh, Brendan does is with Nicholson and Peter. He was there front and centre. Uh, Stephen John, just be kind of honest with the fans if possible, and if not, why not? Um, strange of the doctor. The, the fact is, we're all in the dark when it comes to the inner operation of the boardroom, not to mention how the transfer operation works, or in fact, the first team is trying to play, yeah, again, system and, and all that type of stuff, which we'll, we'll come on to. Obviously, me and you worked on, on Monday after the game and that, and the reaction and, and the fallout, but like, how are you feeling at the minute? And I mean, the sack the board chance we're back again, and I think there was a video circulating of someone giving Mark Lowell stick apparently in in the crowd. I don't know what actually happened, but it looked like a wee altercation happened in, in the main stand. It is getting intense, I think. I think any more drop points is going to get even more worse than it already is. And I don't think Celtic are in a position or have any leeway to drop any more points. But just overall, how are you feeling towards this situation? And then the Peter Lowell thing in the round that do you think it's getting blown up because we're not doing we're not doing what we should be doing in the league, taking care of business. 
if we win a few games, does it dis- disappear? Or is it one of these things now where it's going to stay front and centre until this is all sorted out and we get transparency to what's going on? Um, well, for a long time about, now, I've... Eh? About five questions I asked her, but, you know... Again, eh? <laughs> for, a long, <laughs> for a long time now, I've tried to err on the side of positivity. I've... Like... In the summer, I didn't want to write transfers. Eh, the, the people, the players that came in, sorry, in that window, I didn't want to write them off straight away. Um, and then it was like you were starting to like struggle. You could see the players weren't doing the business. And then it was like, right, let's we'll maybe get some more in in January, but it won't be as much as what some people think. And then obviously, I was saying that January, and I still stand by that, that January is a difficult window to get players in. It's a renowned fact throughout world football um, but I mean the downturn in results since we came back for the winter break is it's almost it's, it isn't obviously quite Covid season uh, levels but it's the, the performances are no far off that they're no losing games left, right and centre like they were in that season but it's becoming more and more difficult to defend the situation in fact I'm actually at the stage where I'm not even willing to defend the situation anymore and that's that's strong for me um, I said off the back of the Kilmarnock game uh, on Saturday in haste it has to be said that I said that unless something changes immediately in the next game and we start picking up results, which is an obvious thing to say, we will not win this league. I've calmed down a wee bit, but what we are turning out is not good enough, not not even close to good enough. Uh, and to, to go to your question on uh, Peter Law, I'm similar to Franny. When he came back, um, I was one of the ones that were saying, well, we don't know what capacity he's going to be in and all the rest of it, and it was non-executive. And I, listen, I wasn't saying people were wrong, but I was holding on to the fact that he wouldn't have as much of an input as what he did previously. But like the team on the pitch now, it's so difficult to argue against that right now, eh, to the point where I actually believe that he actually has got, or he's, um, I, I, he actually has got that similar influence that he had before. I think Franny highlighted it uh, and said that uh, when he, obviously when Peter Law was near Ange Postecoglou came in and got signings in the door and stuff was getting done quick and Michael Nicholson was getting high praise and all the rest of it and it was working well then Peter Law comes back into the fold and for all the world certainly the last two windows and the signings that we've brought in they've got Peter Law written all over them, written all over them, and it's I I just I, I can't sit here now and argue against that. I try my best to be positive about Celtic, and I still am holding on to the fact that we can beat Rangers in the, the two games. Because I think I've said it before that we we play better. I think it's been proven throughout the season in the Champions League eh, and against the two games against Rangers that we play better against teams who come out I think when yeah. teams sit back that's when we really struggle and that is all I'm holding on to is the fact that we can beat Rangers in the two games but then 
you've still got to win the other games. I fully agree that if we drop any more points between now and the 6th of April, it's gone for me. I, I said on Saturday it's gone. I've calmed down a wee bit and I'm, again, like I said, I'm holding on to the, t- the two games against Rangers. But if we drop any more points between now and then, I don't see any way we win this league because I, I, I really think the, the confidence is it's such a low ebb right now. Uh, it's, it would be so difficult to pick themselves back up for that. And Rangers, albeit they're not playing absolutely fantastic football, they've built up a heady steam and yep. they're getting over the line and they're showing league winning form right now as much as it pains me to say it. Yeah, I think that the impact, look, again, it's not the same type of football, but Clementine has come in and, and, and had that bit of momentum. And it's like when we took the lead, Franny, remember in Postacoldi's first season, I think it was the February game, we went <laughs> top of the league after beating them at Parkhead the night time. Derby, the Glasgow Derby at night time. It was a February time, wasn't uh, it? Second uh, February. Aye, and we went top of the league then and never looked back. And for me, I kind of get them vibes from, from this season. And Jed comes in here, the ever-flowing positive man. In my opinion, it's worse than the COVID season as we we know we have the money to move to the next level. The board have other ideas. And the Boise bus came in again and said that it's ridiculous to think that Peter Lawwell never had an influence. And it's one of them ones. That, and Ross, it is. But to be fair, I'll give it to you. You've always tried to come from it from a different angle, but you've kind of had, let go of that because you can see what's happening. And look, that's not to say anything you said was wrong. Again, it was bang on at the time in terms of giving signings time and the chance to bet in and the same as Randy Window. I, I just look at these, this run of results and it feels like we've went from a travel winning squad to, to basically crap. Do you know what I mean? And it sounds like there's something under your desk having a good time, Franny. Every two seconds. <laughs> 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 but um, I, I think like for me, it's been the strangest season since the COVID season the, in terms of feelings that I've had. I've been up and I've been down. I've been frustrated. I've been angry, been disappointed. And after the weekend's performance, and Ross, you actually said about defending against teams with a, a low block. Kamarnik actually pressed us quite high up the pitch, and we lost the ball numerous times to their press. We could not get out of it. We could not pass away out of it. I sorry, I was just going to say that's because of the defenders that we have, uh, their distribution is fucking diabolical. I've never seen <laughs> two guys like Stephen Welsh and Scale. It's actually a talent. How well they pass themselves into a cul de sac. It is fucking hard to watch, man. <laughs> it is, it is, it is mad. I'm going to come on to Liam Skills that shortly. I do have a couple of things I want to share about him. But, Franny, do you, are you off the same thinking as Ross? If we drop any more points, it's gone. Um, if we go to five points, for me, I'll be honest, I think that's a sackable event. I think that comes down to Rogers. I think that comes down to. I, Obviously, there's only so much he can control in the pitch, but he's implementing the system. He's training these players week on week. And if we're not improving, then there's something drastically wrong in the coaching team as well, regarding the, the other factors in the boardroom. But I think if we drop any more points, I'm, I'm thinking like Ross, it's, it's it's done. If it goes to five, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a tough ask. It would be a tough ask. It would be a tough ask if it goes to like five, because you, you would then have to look at winning every game, providing you lost... You go to five pretty soon. By the way, Dion didn't do that because it's there's no point. Yeah, if your electricity will trip off first. So at the end of the day, you'll just be in a bath with a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't kill you, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't know. Is that what it does now, eh? Aye, that's... Your electricity's got a lot safer these days. That's what your RCD's there for, son. 
Yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, just go, right? before the actually gives an electric shock. So. so I can just like stand and like fire a knife into the toaster and hold it and it'll be sound. Ah, it should be like, it means you'll give yourself a reserve one, but you Let's not say that. But what was it you asked me again, Stephen? Oh, but Roger, if we drop I, any more points, I we drop any more points. If we dropped more points leading up to the first the game at Ibrox, it would depend on how many points if we're still sort of uh, within our own hands if we won all our games we would win it win the league that way I wouldn't that wee bit of hoping you would still sort of uh, <laughs> nee bother nee bother come round tonight James just wants <laughs> to see you with nothing on get out of your bar <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I suppose a wee bit of hope would have it in you going well we just need to go on our own we know what we need to do we need to win every game but then you'd obviously be looking at the form going well what kind of what kind of gives you the, the, the sort of the confidence that we're going to do that I would I think if we get where we need Rangers to technically drop points in two games it, it does start getting <laughs> difficult would, it, I, would I sack Rogers if it gets to like five six seven points probably because I don't think he's got to win the league and I don't think I don't see any way that Rogers stays if we don't win this league, I just I think that'll be mental. I think that'll be mental torture for him as well. The abuse, Aye. I think, would be through the roof. I don't see. A, I honestly don't see a world where he stays. But equally, if he doesn't win this league, I think a wee bit of his reputation's shattered. I think he's obviously got aspirations to still go back into a top job in the APL, and I don't think he gets one of them off the back end. No one in the league at Celtic. So you never know. He might hang about for another season, um, but. Personally, I would if it gets to five, six, seven points, I would consider maybe getting getting rid of him only because I would technically be conceding the league and I would be looking at trying to get the new guy in as quick as you can and just so he can assess the squad, see who's got to be there for next season. But I'm certainly I'm I'm not obviously writing this season off. I'm right now I'm obviously nowhere close to sacking Rogers at this stage. I didn't see the point. If, when the league is still very much there up for grabs, I get our form is fucking horrendous now and it's it's hard to put a case forward for us going on, to, on a good run of games. But whilst it's only like two points, I didn't see the point of sacking Rodgers. As I say, if it gets to silly points, then I would maybe do it just and try and get who you see has got to bring this team forward. Yeah. And again, it's not just being negative. I think we're just being real, to be fair, tonight. On, on this Wednesday night, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's Ross. Mm-hmm. I think it's crazy that we've went from Rogers coming back. It's all great. The potential talk about sacking him or letting him go if it gets to five. And Monty is to be fair, trying to be a bit positive here. Hearts throw out the bigot dome and Celtic win a far park all square game on. And look, that's what we all hope. But coming from you, do you do you still have faith in, in Rogers that he can turn this around? And I look at him. We spoke about, I think it was a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, about him having that fire, the buzz again back, and then it's all witty, it's Rogers, and it changes again the next week, and it's it's so in between. You don't know what you're going to get after every press conference or post-match. His words change, his meanings change. Is he sending subliminal messages to the board, to the fans about certain issues? I just don't understand it, and that's why it's been a strange season for me, and the feeling that, that I got under Posta Calder in terms of excitement and loving watching this team play has totally been gone in my opinion from my point of view it's just a strange feeling but do you still have faith that Rodgers can do it? Um, 
Well, I think that, that this has the the Rogers we're seeing now is shades of the Rogers sort of the last season or coming towards the end of his last tenure. I, I think he's come in here. Um, he's seen the sort of how the recruitment was going under Ange for the outside, and he thought this has improved. Uh, but I think he's been sold sold a lie essentially, and mm-hmm. he's really. I think he's he's downhearted, but he's he's not one to out his bosses if you like. But he's also what try and keep the fans on side. And I, I I think the difference is this time that he can't walk away from it because he, the way he came in told us that he would be here for X amount of years. Uh, they had a three year contract, I think it was. He said he would be there for the duration of that, and it's too early in his second tenure as well for him to walk away. But for me. I don't know. I've still got faith in Rogers. I think he's a, a great coach. I just yeah. think that he's he's working just now. Miffed. I don't. I think there's probably. A, a, I'm only surmising, but I find it very difficult now to believe that the the rift between him and Peter Law has been repaired at any point because of the way. It, because of been what he's been given in the last two windows to work with. Um, now, listen, Rogers has to still be getting a better tune out of this team than what he currently is. But I think for me, Rogers is wanting to play. It's a different style for Angie's. It's not as fast paced nor the rest of it. But I don't think the players he's got at his disposal are able to play the way he wants to. Um, if he was going to be backed to how we how we would want him to be backed and how he would maybe be expected uh, to be backed uh, within reason, then I would have faith in Rodgers. But my issue still is if Mark Laurel, if Mark Law <laughs> is bringing these signing targets to Rogers and then he's picking for that pool and saying, right, okay, these guys, we'll go for these guys. I don't have faith in that. I think that needs to change. But Rogers as a coach, if if he's working and everything behind the scenes is in harmony and uh, everybody's sort of thoughts are running parallel, then I think Rogers can do the job here again at Celtic. But um I think he's got a really, really tough task to try and change the confidence and the fortunes of these players. And it doesn't, if, listen, Rogers is at fault as well because he sent out all these mixed messages all season. And there's guys, I said it months and months back, that you can't be coming out and, and saying, we need quality and this team, this squad lacks quality. And then you've got guys in, in no, the dressing room question, questioning, whether, <laughs> questioning whether he thinks they're quality or no. Obviously, guys like Callum McGregor and that, they don't need to question that because, but they've been there for long enough and they, they know what they've brought to the, uh, this club. But there's a lot of new guys who have been, they've come in and I just don't know if they're... I don't think he's lost the dressing room, but I don't know if they're playing with uncertainty, thinking, does he want me here? Did he want me in the first mm. place? Loads of questions. And there needs to be a bit more continuity coming out for Rodgers but he also needs to for me be backed better 
And I'll be honest with you, as long as Peter Law is still there, Mark Law is still there, I find it difficult to believe that he will be back. I find it difficult to believe that fucking any manager will be back to the way they should eh, as long as they're here. And that's hard for me to say because it, in a sense, is admitting that I was wrong as much as I, I was trying to be a bit more level-headed. And I wasn't saying that people who were going off in one were wrong at the time, but it's, it's difficult for me to sit here and be fully positive as I have been. But I still believe, as I've said, that we can we can beat Rangers in the two games, but we, we really, really have to find some sort of system or something that's going to work. And the fact that we're sitting in February scraping around for different systems, that gives the COVID feel to me because... I remember like thinking Turnbull and Sorrow, etc., were brilliant players in that COVID season when they came into the team. The sparks. And the sparks. It's, it's, it's actually it pains me to talk like this. It really does. It, in fact, I've said enough. I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the winds against me. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, like, I, think... I can feel the the bile, the spew building up. <laughs> Talking like this, it's, it's just no me, but it's it's tough to to really argue against any of what people have been saying for months that I, as again, haven't disagreed with, but tried to be a bit more level-headed, but it's, it's smacking me in the face now. Yeah, I think as well, it's nah, it's the, the more hardened fan like yourself, I said hard in a bad way, but the, the positive one who wanted to back him and, and see where it went, and, and this is starting to come around to the feeling that maybe this isn't quite good enough. I know for me personally, I was very early on saying this, and, and look, again, it's no one's right or wrong. No, no one can see, I don't know what the fuck happened there, no one can see what was coming in terms of this, this downturn in, in form and, and the results, and it's a game of opinions. That's all it is. Everyone has one. Do you know what I mean? It's that that's fair enough. And Paul McFarlane comes in well said, Ross, and Boise Bus said it as well. Um Stephen Ray comes in. Remember I called you Rye? That was embarrassing. Win or lose this league. <laughs> I can't see can't see Roger staying at Celtic next season. He doesn't have a trusted system with eleven players he rates to play on it. Celtic are on a, a trend and that trend is second place. And what does Ross on? He can't be serious. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I was coming on to say this tonight, by the way. It's just all spilt out. Dad <laughs> comes in, Ross, all we want is to be positive, but it's very difficult at present. Do, do you know what I mean? That, that's, that's how it is at the moment. It's how we're all feeling, and it's just a realisation that things aren't going how you wanted them to go. And I think for me, I think it was a big dawn. It said that he's just disappointed and, and angry at how the season's turned out. And how far we kind of came. I think it's what been a, a ten point swing, eight point swing in the league since technically ten. Roger, technically ten. I technically ten, which is which isn't good enough. That is, if we're honest, sackable. Do you know what I mean? It's it is sackable. And the Boise boss comes in, despite being honest, Lowell was always going to be involved since I knew he was appointed. No one, no one either could predict the serious shambles under Brendan Brendan Rogers under Brendan. Likewise, yeah, a hundred percent. Sam Fran, I don't know if you've heard about this. Ross getting slapped in the face like a knight in the Devonish. Wow. No. Aye. Have you heard about this? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's incredible. Have you heard about this? Oh, my God. Right. So just a, a side thing. I don't know what it was, right? So there there was an act called the Pleasure Boys, right? I think they're a... So you need to know, a, Ross. 
just it's it's the double pivot we can approach any subject with confidence (laughs) and security that will be fine get it right so there's a bar over baps with toasters everyone man (laughs) there's there's a bar over in um west belfast called the devonish right and they hired this act called what was it called the pleasure boys right so they're they're a, a male stripping act and they go full nudity right uh-huh. So cut poo. There obviously women bought tickets for the show. Dion's come in saying she's raging. She wasn't there. I'm sure they're going to come back. Dion, just hold hold, hold your breath for tickets that they're, they're in demand. But um, so there was videos leaked of this thing, right? Um, basically on the stage there was women, let's just say, in positions that they shouldn't be in. There was women who were due to be married with flappy uh-huh. things in their face and and the rest of it. And then there was a video going around of what they call body lotion and in, in someone's hair. But it wasn't bad. We can we can cut through the code. We know it wasn't <laughs> body lotion. So since that, there's been a lot of fallout. A lot of women have left West Belfast under the threat never come back. So that's that's what happened. So that's where that whole you've been stabbed well, in the face that you have in the devil. I take it that was circling on Twitter. Yes. yes, circling yeah. there. It was circling yeah. quite literally. Uh, but, you know. Helicopter. Helicopter Sunday. Right enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully done. We're talking about male strippers here. Fuck me. Pass the toaster. Uh, Stephen <laughs> Reckinson. Never wants a big name in charge of the team. But the way Celtic are run with the three family dynasties doesn't suit it. A trophy manager wants, to, <clears throat> wants big players on big wages. Um, Dion, Stephen has... Yes, I do have the videos. And I, I'll, I'll pass them. Actually, I'll upload them to StreamYard and we'll watch them together. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I voice it was helicopter. But yeah, that was where I came from. But, but we'll, we'll kind of park that and we'll move on to everyone's favourite subject. And that's, that's ex-players getting involved in the, the current situations. And look, we, it's a legend, Ross, John Hartson, Big Bad John, the Welsh Dragon. There's another pun, eh? The Welsh Dragon. But... He, he's come out and he, he's called uh, Burnaby a disgrace. Obviously, the clips are going around of the goal that we could see that he was kind of suspect, to say the least. He, he tried, tried to get a foul. Definitely wasn't a foul. And kind of made it look like a fool. I think, in my opinion, he's been used as a scapegoat. He was only on, what, 20, 20 minutes of the game because Greg Taylor couldn't make through the, the full game. At the end of the day, there was a team full of 11 players from the start, right to the end, yes, a couple of subs were in between. They still did make a difference. And if they like to me, sometimes players like Burnaby or even James Forrest, for that matter, can be pointed out and scapegoated and be this is the reason why we, we drop points. I mean, if you look at the, the sequence of that goal that we conceded, it could have been stopped further up the pitch. Anthony Ralston stood off the man when he crossed it. Stephen Welsh missed the header when he should have had it. And then um, their fellow comes in at the back post and scores. And who's to say that wouldn't happen when Greg Taylor was there as well? You, you just don't know. But do you think some players can be unfairly singled out? Or do you think Burnaby is a disgrace and should have been in a Celtic shirt again? Um, do I think... Was it Who was it? Do you, me know. or Frank? Ross. Ross. I thought it was me. Uh, do I think some players are unfairly singled out? You asking me that? Greg Taylor? Yeah, I'm... <laughs> 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 um, no, listen... <laughs> I don't think Bernabe's unfairly singled out. I think for the most part in a Celtic jersey, he's shown that he's he's not good enough. Uh, and listen, you can... Uh, I, I never seen the game in uh, 
Saturday. I've only seen the highlights. Um, but lucky you. Hi, but you can you can make the case. I'm not going to argue against that. What you've said, obviously, things could have been stopped beforehand. You could say that with most goals. Um, but for me, Bernabe comes on. He can't defend. We're one 0 up. For all the world, if he if he goes and does his job and defends that rather than tries to buy a free kick, then we win the game one 0 probably. So for me, it is his fault that we've dropped points because he does need do his job at the back post. Albeit there maybe as guys that maybe didn't quite do their job, but that was the glaring mistake. That was the the glaring one for me that caused the goal. Now. I don't think people are saying, oh, singling out a, a player and all that. I don't think he's singling out Bernabe as such. He's just singling out that incident as to why we lost the game. And it just so happens that Bernabe was the one that was defending in that moment. Had it been Greg Taylor, I think he would have probably, like, I don't know. He maybe wouldn't have used as strong a word as a disgrace. Uh, had it been Greg Taylor or whoever else, but I would have, uh, for me, listen, I didn't watch the game, so I can't say for sure, but if you're trying to see that game out, even if Greg, if you've told Greg Taylor you're coming off in whatever amount of minutes it was that he came off, I think you're trying to see a game out 1-0. You, you don't bring Bernabeu on for Greg Taylor, even if Greg Taylor is sort of flailing a wee bit. I don't know. Can you confirm if he was flailing or if he was? I don't think he was. He looked. He, he looked all right. It was more probably the injury. Yeah. To me, it's Aye, Rogers has done that a few times this season. He's done it with Carter Vickers as well. Listen, I know you don't want to rush guys back too quick, but if they're fit enough to, to they, they should. Well, if you're starting them, they should. Don't don't give them sixty minutes. Just don't play them. Uh, I, I think if you're if you're starting the game, and the game's tight, just keep him on because he's playing for a reason. Because you, you're you're maybe don't trust. Well, you don't trust the guy who's going to come on from at sixty minutes or seventy minutes as much as you trust them. And if the game's tight, you just stick with the the guy that you, you trust more. And for me, that was a mistake for Rogers on Saturday to do that and as I say he's done it a couple of times that season uh, but Rogers also can't foresee the fact that Bernabe is going to be so lightweight and just not do his job he has to he has to just go and win the header he's in front of the Kilmarnock player as well so just deal with it like it's like if if your keeper gives you a, a shout and you're not sure who's behind you you just deal with it even if it is going to go into the keeper's hands, and then the keeper will go, listen, I, to- I totally get why you've done that kind of thing. You've, you've done your primary job. You've, you've dealt with it because there's no point in letting the ball go over your head if you're not quite sure who's running about you. Bernabe has to go and deal with that end off. Yeah, and look, again, I do agree, but I think we can look at that, like you said, Ross, there's different aspects of that build-up play that could have been stopped. I mean, as I said, the Ralston issue where he could have closed him down before he got the cross in. Welsh missed a, a fucking free header to clear it. And then it's landed back by Van Burnaby, who, to be fair, he should have had it and he shouldn't have played for the free kick. But I think for me anyway, Franny, 
And again, I'll probably come in for a bit of heat here. And I don't really mind it, but for me, the last couple of games where Greg Taylor's been out, Burnaby showed a lot of heart, a lot of enthusiasm. I think there was a stat going around that he had the most uh, duels won, but then duels lost. It, it, crazy type of stats for a player, but he, he tries to take the man on. He tries to get to the byline. Yes, we know his defensive frailties, but I don't think he'd question his attitude and question him trying. I, I don't think that's up for debate, to be fair. And I think this is a good one to come off what Ross said as well. Why are we trying to see these games 1-0 out against Kilmarnock at home? We should never be in that, in that position. We should never be trying to see a game out against Kilmarnock. They've had what, three games now, one one loss against them, two draws. Derek McInnes has had her number. And I think Bernabeus does fall into the way he said here. And, I mean, the disgrace that, that he was called, I think, is harsh. He hasn't been great in terms of defensive qualities, but attacking-wise, I think he's been one of her best in the last couple of games. Um, a disgrace is probably a bit harsh. I, I will agree with you that he has showed a lot of heart, a lot of a lot of effort. You can't discredit him for that. He's taken a lot of abuse. Guys like myself, uh, I feel very justified in, in the abuse towards the guy. I think he's a fucking terrible football player. I, do, I just don't think he's. I don't think he's class. Um, but he has showed a lot of heart and stuff. I don't think he's a great option going forwards. Stephen, he's you just he loses the ball too many times. But he does put a lot of effort in. There was, I do agree, there was a lot of a lot of mistakes in that goal. A lot, like Kuhn and even Yang didn't press the ball high up the park when after Yang lost it. I don't think there was enough heart for the forward players to try and close it, close it down and win the win the ball back. They kind of invited that diagonal ball in that Stephen Wells, I mean, Vought, well, certainly me and Ross anyway, and even James uh, Voss said we like Stephen Wells. I don't think he's really done much wrong, but I think it's fair to say what we've probably all said in the past, he loses too many aerial jewels, I think, for a centre-half. Yeah. And again, he lost one at the weekend. The boy flicks it on. Anthony Ralston, he probably should close him down, but I don't know if he's maybe just got stuck. He's, I think he's came in to try and cover in case uh, Stephen Wells misses the header and obviously the boy gets a flick on and Ralston's then kind of out of position. I think he rushes out to but doesn't properly engage him. I don't know if he's maybe just no went in case the boy does him and he gives away a penalty. He's just tried to stand him up, but it just doesn't get close enough. And boy digs it a great cross. It's a good header, but I Burnaby really needs to be stronger at the back post. Just he's obviously felt a touch on his back and tried to win by a foul. He probably doesn't even need to win the header, Burnaby, to stop the goal. Just, just put him off. Up. Put a challenge up with the boy, jump with the boy, and you, you might just put them off. The boy might think he's not going to get the header. So it was, it was too many errors in, in that goal and stuff. And Burnaby for me is, I, I, I said it earlier on the season when folk were asking to put skills at left back. I was one for saying, no, just get a left back at left back. Uh, didn't he, didn't he put anybody like skills has been brought at left back uh, in defence? Didn't he take him at the position where he's excelling, where he doesn't like, prefers playing? But if it keeps bearing about the team, I would play skills at left back when Taylor's not available. Like I, I would probably actually go to free at the back if, in all honesty. There's um, a lot of call for that. There's a lot of call for free at the back at the minute. Because Taylor, so Taylor, Taylor, Taylor I, I'm as I said in the past, I'm no, I'm not a massive fan, but I think, I think Saturday showed a lot of full cup. Burnaby was an mm. absolute shambles when he came on. Let's be honest, for you. the minute he came on, we were an absolute shambles at the back when he came on. Taylor was, Taylor is actually a really good football player on the ball and he might benefit his playing as he's maybe not he's probably got the energy to play left wing back but like as a wing back type thing but when we're attacking 
Taylor mm-hmm. on the ball is pretty comforting, gets his selling good positions and picks good passes. So he could work in that team uh, as a sort of a, if you're maybe playing, try to play that a wee bit more defensive as a 3 5 2 in certain games. Um, but kind of going back to your point about seeing games out, I think that's just the nature of where we are form wise and how we're trying to see games out. Mm-hmm. But the substitutions, Danny suggests we're trying to see a game out. Bernardo coming on, bring a lot on. Bring a lot on. Uh, that baffled me. That, that baffled that me on that. Yeah. Tra- seeing at the game. Ida, I don't know why you're taking him off. He can get you up the park. He can hold the ball up and stuff. Oh, I've tried to stick up for the guy, but it's getting harder and harder. Just Danny, it just, every, it's a year in and he still just seems very, very raw. Um, I just don't think he holds up the ball, ball enough. I just, this seeing out games, I don't, I don't know if we are trying to see it games because we're not really making substitutions that would suggest we're trying to see it games. I just think there's a nervousness throughout the team now and things like that when it gets, they can obviously feel the anxiety in the stands. They're probably feeling a wee bit anxious because they'll ken they're not playing well. And ken that one chance could absolutely kill it for them and, and stuff. And like I think we've all credited skills, rightly so. Um, Ralston does it, but when you looked at that back four, but finished the game like Ralston, Ralston, Bernabe, Scales, and Wells, that is not a back four we should be finishing a game with. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I think this is true as well. We've discussed downgrades after downgrades in the first time. And look, the, the recruitment conversation is something we can have over and over again. Like most of us do at the minute, it's the hot topic. And just quickly, did I, Ross, I know you had an opinion on it, but I only caught it a wee bit of it. Didn't watch it all. The Lewis Palma. I'm clipped that someone shared on, on Twitter and was shared in our group chat and you were kind of saying it along the lines of who took their time to make that and sh- share that among people. Do you think them types of things aren't fair? We're talking about single out players and Palma hasn't been great, but I think that, to be, <laughs> to, uh, I don't know, he does frustrates me. I've said it since the start. I really have. But do you think them them types of videos, them clips that are shown as worst bits is just on call for at this moment in time? Aye, uh, it's absolute shite, but... Um... For one of your own, to one of your own, the Celtic team, listen, I'm not saying Palmer's going to see that, but there's a good chance he might. For one of your own, to one of your own, uh, who, he's playing with low confidence now, as all of the team has. The team right now needs the fans more than ever. We don't need somebody like putting, all, putting that in the public domain. It's like the YouTube reels, you can make somebody look really good. We could probably take a, a few oh, <laughs> could probably take a few things that Palmer's done and make it into a wee reel and uh, over the last few games and make him look like a brilliant player. I'm sure Wally said that in the chat. But for me that's it's totally counterproductive. It, we we don't need a video like that put out into the public domain to know that Celtic aren't functioning really well there now. I just think it's it's a, it was a pointless video and total shite power. Yeah. And just finishing on the scales thing, again, a lot of stats here, a lot of things can be fluffed up, but if just what this is interesting, I've seen it earlier today on Twitter. So if we look at Liam Scales, he has the ha- highest carry progress in the top ten leagues. He's what six thousand eight hundred and sixty one, which which is which is decent. That's bringing the ball out from the back. Ruben Diaz is on that list, Pai Torres of Aston Villa. And a couple of players I haven't quite heard of. Um, if we look at Jules as well, most Jules won top 10 leagues. Liam Scales at 209. 
Moreno of Real Sociedad, Ramos in there as well, some good uh, pedigree and passes, but I think this is more down to system. Most successful passes, 2,204. Uh, <laughs> Shaq is in there, he's a midfield player. Midfield midfield forward. Player. Oh, <laughs> Aye, that's true. Lewis Dunk of Brighton, do you know what I mean? So, and Hanko of, of Farno. Do, do you think as well, Franny, look, them stats look great, but like what Ross said, I think a lot of them are padded up by the fact that it's safe play most of the time. And again, the standard of the league, you kind of bring the ball out from the back, not expecting too much of a challenge. So just a quick one. Is the Liam Scales experiment over? So yes and not. Like, I'm no advocate to get Scales out of the team, but Scales for me, I think we've seen enough of him this season to suggest Scales will do a job for us, but it can't be the answer going forward. Because that coming out for the back, it gets so far up the park and then stops and doesn't it? It's almost like his body doesn't get his like gets a nosebleed and can't go any further and just stops. It isn't great at passing it out for the back. Whereas I think the Rothke is good at passing it out for the back. So it's I'm I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in the sense that in an ideal world to get CCB and the Rothke in there, Rothke in there, because I think that's ideally what Brendan Rogers maybe had in his mind as he's. Uh, defensive partnership and I think the two of them are good at bringing it out for the back and playing out for the back but Scales is taking his chance and we were at a stage where we were talking about we can't drop points and can we really be gambling on a partnership that we didn't really can if it's going to work but I appreciate that was a long way to answer your question Stephen but I, I would keep Scales in the team but I think for me moving forward in the next season I don't think Scales is the answer yeah, what about yourself, Ross? I, I think I claimed for Naroski to get over Scales before, and it didn't quite work out that way. And Scales went on, went on to keep continuing, brilliant. But I've seen a lot of mistakes in this game recently. The passes that you alluded to, I mean, they're going backwards and are missing the, the actual central central defender, which is Welsh in this case against Kamarnik. Just five yard simple things, and I don't know if it's a confidence issue with him. I just think when he gets time, he's taking five to six, seven touches on the ball. It's not quick enough to move the ball at the pitch. That's the other team get back into their shape. And overall play for us, it doesn't look good enough. But name scales, in your opinion, would you keep him in the lineup? Just keep going with the status quo? Or would you take a gamble and throw Narosky in? Um, well, um, see when Scales first came into the team, I, I was saying that I was really impressed with the way he, he passed the ball out because... Um, he was naturally left-footed, unlike Starfelt, and he was he was playing the more difficult pass sometimes and bypassing that sort of left-back and playing it into the winger. Uh, and it was taking out, like, part of the press for whoever we were playing against, and it, it was really, it was working really well. But I think, like most of the team now, off the back of the, um, the uh, winter break, um, I think that he's playing with really low confidence and it, it is now shown uh, on the pitch glaringly for me. He's not the only one, um, but oh, no. he's, he's passing out for the back isn't, or it hasn't been good enough in the last number of weeks. Uh, he's been giving it away. He's not been playing that pass that I've just spoke about. He's been playing the safe ball and um, whoever his partner is in defence or playing it out to the... Uh, fullback and it's mm-hmm. it's just not the same Liam Scales that we've seen when he first came into the team for me 
uh, if we were going into next season and Liam Scales was still the first choice, then I think I wouldn't be happy with that. Um, but to answer your question, would I take him out of the team right now? I made the case for so long last season that you don't split up a successful partnership. Uh, when we were talking, uh, or maybe it was the last season, I can't remember who what players it was we were talking about, but I, I made the case that you don't split up a successful partnership. I think it was maybe. Uh, aye, but I don't know who it would have been. It would have been we would have been arguing for to come in and play Starfield. I feel like it was maybe. Yes. Yes. Aye, maybe maybe it was. Aye. I can't remember exactly, but I did make that case, and I still probably think just because for continuity that scale should remain and I think you'll see a, a bit of an upturn in his performances if and when he gets Carter Vickers alongside him because he's a more common influence it's as if Liam Scales right now is the senior player and mm-hmm. that that is an indictment of where we are in terms of injury wise in that area of the pitch it's a sad indictment but it's where we are um, so I would I would be inclined to just stick with him just for continuity more than the fact that I think he's better than Navrocki because I, I think that's debatable. I, for me, I don't know if anybody agrees with that or if it's, people think it's stupid, but I, I've been very impressed by Lager Bielka. Every time he's been yeah, I like Lagerbelga. I like I, him. Yeah. I, listen, it, I don't know. I can't say he's not the fastest. Because any time I've seen him, I don't think he's had to do that sort of chasing back because it's been domestically. I never seen... I was away on holiday when we played away in Feyenoord, so I never really seen how well he, he'd done in that game. But um, any time he's been in the team, I've been impressed by him. I think... He brings the ball out quite well and his passing's decent. I don't know why he hasn't getting a shout. I really don't. Rogers clearly doesn't fancy him. I do. I think he's decent. But I again, like Franny, it's a long winded way to answer your question, but it's a difficult question to answer because there's so many variables as to why he should or shouldn't be in the team and well, what we've alluded to, but for me to answer it simply I would probably keep him in the team just for continuity more than anything else. See, just yeah, Kenny, think... about, like, for me, I would go CCB in the Rocket. I think what I've seen in the Rocket, I, I do like what I've seen. But like, if you look at the Lager Belka one, he's no, I mean, it's not going to happen because it's clear Rogers just doesn't like him or doesn't rate him. But he's no conceded a goal domestically. Now, I appreciate it's mm. only five or six games. That's pretty good to get a wee bit of confidence <sighs> when he goes out in the park. So, that's maybe a fair argument for him to come in and be playing going well. Like I've Is that Navrocki? Sorry. No, Lager Belka. I don't think, oh, we, like, uh, think any game he's played domestically. I think, it's, I think it's only five or six in fairness, but I don't think we've conceded a goal domestically when he's played. So surely that's got to give it. And one of the games was at Ibrox. I mean, he'd hmm. done everything to try and concede a goal that game, I felt. <laughs> the most uncomfortable <laughs> player ever in the world, but he got through it. Right. And he scored in the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then I don't think he's been seen since. No. And it's <laughs> weird. He, he got the, the Defender of the Year of Sweden and he scored a fir- his first national team goal and on. 
it looked on the up for him, but we just don't, don't know the case of it. And I think, like yourself, Ross, and like you, Franny, he's looked all right. I don't see why people are writing him off. And it's a Rogers thing, obviously. And it's like, give him a chance. What could be the worst that could happen? Fuck me. We need anything right now for a bit of physicality in the back, someone to win ahead or someone to take charge. And as you said, Ross Scales is the leader in that def- the defence. And it's, it's baffling how that's happened. I know. And by the way, Rogers has got form on this with defenders because. It, he, he obviously, I don't know are. what I well, no, but he, he like got rid of it. Is it um, Eric Sviatchenko? Yeah, I thought he was yes, a great defender, yes. and he got rid of him just much. out of the blue. Yeah, I think he had a bad performance or a bad half, maybe against Rangers, uh, and he was just never seen again. And for me, his primary job, he was a really good defender. Maybe didn't have the greatest of pace. Similar to Lager Bielka, it's arguably he's not got the greatest of pace. Rogers clearly likes his defenders to be fast but shite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know how he kept picking the last time because he is. I liked him. Definitely, Bielka was a good player. No, he was a good player. Nah, nah, I'm not having that. Not a chance I'm having it. Here, would you rather have him or Skills? Eh. Uh, on the form that Scales has shown that season? No, just overall, just overall, him or Scales? Scales. Oh, <laughs> not a hope uh, for Oh, listen, uh, see when I was in the team week in, week out, uh, it came up in my memories not long ago. I actually, uh, on Facebook, I'd actually, before one of the games, I'd put on Facebook, uh, my post was, for fuck's sake, Buata, that is absolutely shocking, just getting this out of the road before the game starts. <laughs> It was Who was his defensive it, partner under Rogers? Who was it? Was it Ayer? Um, was it not Semenovic? Semenovic, yeah, he played Sem- a lot as well. I uh, think we played as well for a wee bit. But is it Benkovic? Um, Benkovic, yep. Yeah. He came in on loan. Um, Ayer, I think. Was he? Can't remember. Last season, I would have been Rogers Ayer, last season. Yeah. I think it's still baffling that you'd have. Um, Skills over Biala. Biala played in the World Cup, not for Belgium. Like he, he's decent. Like you know, he's a he's a good player. But um, strange yeah, though, he played at World Cups as well. <laughs> I know, I know. But Belgium's a good pedigree of a national team. I mean, didn't Steven. he? Wasn't he a first pick? He was. He started. He started the first two or three uh, World Cup games because Vertonghen was injured. So again, yeah, like it's well. still decent. So I mean, isn't he? He wouldn't be playing for Tonga wasn't he injured? <laughs> all right, all right, okay. You just don't like Biala. That's fine. <laughs> Right, Straight of the doctor, Stephen, come on. <laughs> nah, it's Brendan we're all talking about. Aye, 100%. But look, we'll kind of mix it up a bit here. I'm, I'm conscious that we've talked about a lot of negative stuff. We've got a lot of stuff off our chest. And look, this bit may be negative or whatever, but in the viewers as well, people who are watching and commenting, anything you want to talk about, fire it in and we'll have a chat about it. We were talking about male strippers, so if you want to talk about anything else, just get into the chat, we'll have a bit of crack. But Pep Guardiola, Franny, I come out and actually it's funny. Look, go ahead. Calvin Phillips, I think he's on loan to is it Crystal Palace at the minute? West Ham. I, I seen West Ham, sorry, I seen one of their uh, fans doing an interview and it was they were like people describe Calvin Phillips as the Yorkshire Pirlo and he turned around and goes, No, he's the Yorkshire Putin. And I thought that was quite mm-hmm. funny. But then it transpired at, at the start of the season, Pep Guardiola called him overweight when he came back from the the, the summer break and then the preseason. So basically 
on, on that aspect of things. Are players too soft now in this day and age? Can they not handle that type of criticism, that type of heat from the manager? And look, yes, yeah, wait, it's personal. But maybe Pep was looking at that as in, like, give him a wee bit of a jolt, give him a, a push to, to be better and do better. And obviously he didn't take that advice. I think he made six appearances for City and most of them were off the bench. But do you think these kind of world-class players, these Instagram people like Je- Jesse Lingard, Marcus Rashford, who spent the night in Belfast, on the, apparently on the sick from United, but was ending up in a, a nightclub, you know, basically doing what they did to Devonish. But <laughs> do, do you think that modern-day players just can't can't take the heat no more in terms of criticism? I would say a big percentage of them can't, Stephen. It's it's a way the it's a way the world. Let's be honest. It's it's that snowflake culture where you just. I don't know if. Calvin Phillips even got offended by that comment. It's probably more folk getting offended. He did. He said, he said it affected him. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, if it affected him, it affected him. I, I, I don't want to talk about the guy's mental state uh, in case that was an issue, but could he be using that as an excuse for why he wasn't in the team? Now, this guy is paid really handsomely just to be fat. It's it's mm. that is that'll be one of the stipulations within your contract. Be fat and be ready to play. He clearly wasn't. He? So that that's on Calvin Phillips at the end of the day. Yes, there could be mitigating factors why wasn't he? He was fat, uh, unfit, and overweight. But am I like for me, players? If a manager can he has a wee joke in that about somebody's weight, then as long as it's I say as long as it's justified in the sense that clearly they've got um, folk that sort of the they'll be told to come back after. It's not like back in the day where you could just, you had six weeks off of football, free reign, just do what you want. It's Now it's, you go away with training regimes and stuff. Like There's too much money in, involved in football um, to for players to really dick about now, if you like. But So for me, I have absolutely no issue with Pep Guardiola's uh, comment. And Calvin Phillips, if he got offended by it, then... Without saying like an arsehole, then so what, mate? You're paid like, like you're paid about two hundred grand a week to stay fat. Day day your job mm-hmm. at the end of the day, be fat and be ready to play football. It's on you. Yeah. If we, they will, guys like guys at Man City will hit all the best, best chefs, best training facilities, everything there to stay in peak condition to be ready. Obviously, injuries and stuff will play a factor. That's you can't do it, but everything for him to be. In, peak physical condition will be provided by Man City. So it's on him if he's overweight at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I get that. It's a, the broad landscape of things. And Ross, you look at it, I think Franny makes a great point. You're getting paid upwards of 100 grand a week at these top clubs with the top facilities, which, by the way, Borrowfield is meant to be modelled on. You know what I mean? Top class English facilities <laughs> and all that. We'll, we'll see if it happens. But you look at these things, even you look at Rashford, you, you look at Calvin Phillips, and I mean, Rasser's had a different season, and Phillips only made six appearances for I'm City. And before he came on there, I seen I was saying to Franny that one of the West Ham supporters, who, who's the team he's on loan on, on loan to, described him as a Yorkshire Putin. So, and you hear all these stories as well, like previous like manager interviews that all these dress rooms used to be heated, grabbing people by the scruff of the neck, telling them what to be doing, telling them what to be at, and. I think all the social media aspect of things has kind of cut that out now. Young players make it before they even step onto the pitch. Carmelo Dembele is a prime example. He had like 900,000 followers before he kicked the ball for Celtic. And I think sometimes in a player's mind, especially a young individual, they think they've made it already. 
they're getting pictures, they're getting selfies without even doing anything at the club they're representing. Do, do you think modern day football could learn from the old fashioned style, or do you think it's just completely gone now and it's a new way of being all that type of like politics and football? Uh, I think modern day society, not just football, modern day mm. society in general could learn from it. Right for schools, when's are fucking mollycoddled to fuck now? Yep. I, I might just be sounding like an old grumpy guy, but they are. Uh, I'm liking this tonight. I'm loving this tonight. Aye, but you, 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 it's like things at the school and that, that like, you don't lose and things like that. You need to learn adversity. And it stems from there. It starts from there. And you can't shout at people. You, you, you can't... It's, it's just... Society as a whole for me now is a complete and utter shambles. I could go further into it, but I, I won't because it's it could be a bit of a touchy subject. But um, aye, modern day it, it has totally changed. Like the hair dryer treatment, what was wrong with that? Like Ferguson done that. You players like if you do that now, players will turn on you and you have to put an arm around them. Listen, there was players back in the day that needed an arm around them too. Mm-hmm. That is how most players have to be treated now. Um, listen, in terms of Pep Guardiola saying that about Calvin Phillips, it's probably a wee bit bad form for Pep Guardiola, but he's not saying it for no reason. He's not just saying it for the sake of saying it. He knows what he wants his players to be at. But I don't think... I think that uh, Calvin Phillips sorry, was actually went on international duty and he'd came back for that overweight Um, I think he'd said something about he'd had three meals on the the plane back from New York or something listen we've all we've all done that you know what I mean (laughs) but I I think he was yourself. I had three meals on the the boat back from Scotland Ah, he's got to see you've never even been on a plane (laughs) well (laughs) I've been on a plane I've been on a plane but if it can get to it by boat, we're on a boat. That's it. Aye. Stephen Bearcamp. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. That'll that actually fly on his head. No pun intended. Aye. But see how I laughed and went along with it. See how I laughed and, and made it keep going. But yeah, go aye. ahead, Ross. Aye. Um, aye, I, I think Calvin Phillips, I think he was maybe like £3 overweight. I heard Franny saying he's an elite athlete. He, He's getting well paid now. I kind of disagree with that. But, I mean, he got £3 off no bother. He didn't. He probably didn't. As much as he's no saying it for no reason, he probably didn't need to out it in the public domain. Um, but he did. He chose to do that. Maybe he wouldn't now. He's decided to apologise for that. So that tells me he, he possibly wouldn't now. But I don't know. Uh, I think Calvin Phillips is a decent player. Um he hasn't been able to show that for a, a long time because of Man City. He, obviously, not been able to make the grade at Man City, but a lot of players have done that. Look at Scott Sinclair. He couldn't make the grade at Man City. He went to Celtic and he done tremendously well for us. Hasn't he started well for Calvin Phillips? But then you could also make the case, some people, I think it was actually in Talk Sport there, the Graeme Souness was making the case. Is he, is he a Premier League player? He had a great season for Leeds and then he got into the England squad but he's only really had one season in the Premier League yeah. so I can see that argument as well but when he when he played for England 
a very good England team. He, he wasn't out his depth or anything like that, but he, he done a certain type of job and he done it well, but he wasn't, he doesn't use class, he just does his job well, but he needs to get more games of football again to be able to get to that level again, because right now he's a wee bit off of that, but yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, th- I think I think what you said at the start, modern day society is is fucked, isn't it? I mean, ev- everything's so accessible. Ev- I mean, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat—it's mad. And I think kids, like you said, at a young age now, are taught that. Well, basically, yeah, Maddie Cuddle, they do agree with that. They're not taught adversity. They're not, they're not taught in defeats. It's always taking part, and you're a winner, even though if you come. 20th place and all that type of stuff. Do you know what I mean? The, the sentiments uh, of it. All this. And even, need a voice and all that. Yeah, and it, even... Need a voice. <laughs> even if, if you put that into academy football as well, I think they play like eight aside and there's some matches where they don't keep score and, and I've heard Kevin Kyle talking about that on Open Goal where he manages a team but they don't keep score of the match because it would affect the players and their confidence and just take them part. Which you get to an extent, but again, if you're building them for the reality of football, you kind of need to install early on the winning mentality, if you understand yeah. what I mean, that the succeeded clubs like Celtic. And I think it is missing the trick. I mean, going off on the tangent, you spoke about kids there. And like, for example, like I said to Jason myself, like what, my oldest, she, she went on TikTok, right? And within the first, I would say, day, she was in tears, being exposed to these different things. And and all that type of stuff, and he had to, had to take it off or something, but on it set on it since. But it's these type of things. Like, what's the right way to, to guide? I mean, guide them into this right mentality, and, and just guide kids from a young age to to succeed without sounding like a complete idiot. And society, like you said, has changed. That I think social media is a big, massive, fundamental issue. If you look at it, and that that comes from from footballers too. Every single fucking thing that they do is paid for, marketed from when they're at 16 in a Chelsea academy up until they're 21 playing, playing for Crew Alexander because they didn't make it, but they're still walking around with a million followers making money off that. It doesn't make sense to me. I know that's a tangent, but do you get what I'm saying? Well, 100%. I think a lot of folk have a lifestyle on social media that's just that's how they think they need to live life. Just tick yeah. to their eyeballs. It's craziness, and I think that does stem to the, the modern-day society in terms of football and, and actually... That's why I didn't sell my gear on tick. I'll get that ready. <laughs> 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 but I don't know. You, you mentioned, Franny, that he's paid loads of money to be fit. And I'm going to sound a bit of a dick here, but I think it's a good time to throw it in. Could we not say the same about Leo Labada? Is he not paid loads of money to be fit and available and to play for his club? I think it's that's totally different for Calvin Phillips being overweight. No, not not on that issue itself, but the the, the money issue and that type of thing. He's being paid handsomely. Again, should he not? Be? Again, I totally understand that argument. Way and I've got to totally contradict it because I actually had an argument coming off on social media where a guy about it, uh, a guy actually made tons of great points about uh, Leila Bada about how Celtic we need to. Is also a sensitive topic round about him and stuff, but then finished it by saying, This is a guy we're paying thousands of pounds for, he should be playing football. For me, in this situation, I do, I do kind of understand it, but for me, in this situation, the money is total secondary for that. This is a guy that, for me, I mean, I think we would all like a little badder firing right now, 
I mean, we need yep. something. At the end of the day, we need something. So the more players that we can have available that are, are firing, the better. But if he mentally is not ready to play, then he may day. Can he chuck him in and just put him out there in the, the sort of a, a goldfish ball, if you like, at, at the stadium? Ball's just bouncing off him. He's just nothing's coming off him. Play, fans and that'll just be on his back and things like that. So it's no one to help him out at all. And then obviously you had the issue with, with Lee Graffis with his mental health. Nobody really he he got plenty of support when he had his mental health issues. So I think for me a badder we need to be. It's an absolute unique unique situation that is nobody's fault. It's no Celtic's fault. It's no badder's fault. I've seen folk complaining about how it just seems to go straight up the tunnel after wins and no celebrating with the fans. I think that's probably at the end of the day because there is still plenty of Palestinian flags at home and away games getting flung, eh, getting waved, sorry. So he's celebrating in front of the fans. That picture gets back across and there's a Palestinian flag in the background. No idea how that's got to get reported there. No idea what impact that can have on his family that, that he's maybe got over there. So I think him, when he was playing, going up the tunnel straight after games, was the best for everybody involved. And I mean, his family and stuff as well. Leila, but, and you never know, like, we didn't know where Abada stands on us. He could be, I know he's an Israeli nationalist, but he could be totally away the side of, side of Palestine. He's a young lad, he'll be on social media and maybe see certain things that, and be exposed to, like, have a broader sort of a outlooking what he says, but he can't actually speak up about it. Equally, he's a young lad, what is he, 21, 22? So all his life, all he's known is that conflict over there. So he maybe just think what Israel is doing is right at the end of the day. It's for me, I think, for me, I, I said that the last time I was on Stephen, I think for everybody involved, it's best for a bad day to leave Celtic permanently. It's just, it's not got to change for him anytime soon. That whole conflict's not been happening since the 7th of October. It's been happening since I know it, as much as I remember. So it's been happening a bad his whole Three life. Years, He's kind of been brought up. That's all probably he knows. Celtic's <laughs> fan base, the majority, are not going to change their outlook for one player at the end of the day. I just think for everybody involved, it's best best for a bad that he leaves and it will leave him my best wishes and it's, it's, it's a unique situation for him yeah. and it's just unfortunate it's nobody's doing it within the club and a bad as it's just one of them yeah no I, I get that 100% and I do agree with the aspect of things as well like with a bad the best solution is Ross that he probably does need to leave I have seen a different trend in terms of the views of not I'm not speaking on the behalf of Sally Sports obviously not but in the comments people are saying he should go. He should if there's no uh, if he's not available. No wages. Simple as that. Sam Fran was saying, and I mean again, I kind of dovetailed of the Calvin Phillips thing and her, him earning lots of money to perform at a, an elite club and and be in terms of weight and be a physical peak. For all we know, about it is a physical peak, but he's not mentally ready to play. And I know his agents over to, trying to get a move to the MLS and Paul McFarland come in. He's saying he's trying to get a move to America, so he mustn't be that old. But do you think that's a case of? him trying to just get out of the club, go anywhere he can to get away from the situation that he sees. We don't, I know as a majority of fans, we don't see that situation in terms of the stadiums and the support, but maybe he doesn't feel comfortable or could it be something else that he just wants to get away as, just as quick as he can, just away from Celtic, so to speak? Um, I, I really don't know. I, I, listen, people will say 
he's not mentally ready. I think that's evident on these performances that he's shown. But that's not to say that Abadas came out and said to Rogers, I'm not mentally ready to play. The fact that he played tells me that he's made he's made himself available to play. But Rogers, off the back of his performances, has I don't know, not surmised, um, but come to the conclusion, if you like, that he, he isn't mentally ready, or he isn't mentally in the, the proper condition to play at the top level and play at his optimal levels for Celtic and likely Griffiths for different reasons as to why the, the mental health isn't quite there. He has to be taken out of the team uh, for the benefit of him and for the benefit of the team because what he was doing on the pitch doesn't benefit the team. But if, in terms of if Abada needs to leave, I don't know because I don't know when this will be resolved or anything like that. Uh, it's a difficult one. People, I don't know who it was that made the point in the comment that I think it might have been Paul McFarlane um, saying that it doesn't matter where you go, there's support all over the world for Palestine. And I get that. But there's certainly a huge number of Celtic supporters very vocal about it. And Celtic are a more prominent club than maybe a team in the USA that probably won't be as prominent as what a lot of Celtic fans who um, sort of uh, feel like the, 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 the plight in Palestine is synonymous with what some of them went through or their relatives went through as well and it's it's more synonymous with them but listen I don't know time will tell in Abada if he needs to leave Celtic or not right now he needs time to get to the place where he can perform his optimal levels for us and like Lee Griffiths if that time comes that Celtic decide as a club because I'm not I, I can't make an informed decision because I don't know the full ins and outs but Celtic will be keep a close eye on it day in day out and if they come to the decision in the end that, listen, it's better that we, we, we move you on or a badder, it's a sort of mutual agreement, then that's fine. I'm fine with that. But if he's given time and he can come back, he can be the leal Abada that he was for Celtic previously and he wants to stay and play for the jersey. I said it on Friday, I'm totally cool with that as well. Whatever is best for all parties and they parties who are more privity with the whole ins and outs, they parties will make that decision and whatever that may be, I'll accept it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in that thing as well. I think we've all agreed what Franny said as well. We would like a batter back in the pitch. But if he's not ready and Rogers thinks the call is to take him out, then, then that's fair enough. That Dion comes in. If he wants to leave, then he must go. We can't stay silent on the mur- murder of innocent people. Look, I don't think we are, but it's, it's a podcast. We can't really go into that side of things. It's football. And we know the political aspect of it. And again, it gets Ross rightly alluded to the fact that people in the Celtic sport may find it synonymous with things that happened in Ireland during the conflict for, for 30 odd years as well. So there is that aspect of things. But again, we, we can't go into the, the ins and outs of that for obvious reasons. But I would like Leal Abada back on the Celtic pitch. I would like him back fit and firing. But if the, the time comes and he, he needs to move on, like a great point with Lee Griffiths says mental health wasn't up to it at, at points. And 
sometimes the doors open and you have to leave the club for the best of your, your health and your own benefit too. And look, Leila Bada looks to be on the off, but again, we'll just watch it closely. But we'll do a wee bit of on this day. In 1931, Chicago White Sox and the New York Giants played the first exhibition game at night. I'm guessing that must be baseball because I can only get, guess that off films. It must be. And in 1948, NASCAR is incorporated. That's the one with the drive around for like 24 hours, isn't it? I think so. And it does bang into each other and that. Crazy. But there you go. We've been on this day to, to take us off that uh, topic there as well. But I mean, another quick, quick one, uh, Ross. Jim Radcliffe completed his 27% stake in, in Manchester United. This guy's a, a multi-billionaire. And at the AGM, Ross Desmond said that Dermot and him will never sell up while they're still alive and it will remain in the family. Look, I think we're all kind of with the idea that Celtic won't be sold. I think Dermot Desmond is the majority shareholder, just over 30%. But do you think we could attract investment? I mean, if you look at Hibs, they've got it off Bill Foley. You look at Aberdeen, Dave Cormick came in, has invested millions of pounds. St. Johnson are in takeover talks with someone in America. Hearts have money behind them as well. There's investment in these clubs. And I think within the models of, of European football and the SFA have actually accepted now dual ownership and, and parties' interest that where finance could be introduced. Do you think Celtic could benefit of someone coming in of and Radcliffe, obviously not him, but another billionaire coming in, taking the reins, pumping in money into the club? Because at the end of the day, like you said earlier on, you don't trust this board to back anybody. But surely there's a solution in terms of can we attract outside investment that to, to help the club push forward? I mean, Celtic as a whole, as a club, as a brand, could absolutely attract that. Whether um, this board allow that to happen or want it to happen is a whole other question. Um, for me, we've got a, a majority shareholder in Dermot Desmond, who is a, a billionaire. So, mm-hmm. like... He could invest in the club. He 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 is a ready-made guy, of the type you're talking about that could invest their own money into the club. He doesn't do it uh, to the level that you would maybe hope and expect. But I actually don't really know what the fuck Dermot Desmond does apart from sometimes stamp his feet and get the manager that he wants. Because <laughs> other than that, I don't see big investment. But then at the same time, you look at it and go well. It's not like we're playing the English Premier League where you can put a big investment in and then we can win that league, progress in Europe and stuff like that and like try and win the Champions League and you get big money off of that. But you don't expect me to put the, the, the level of money in that you would put in to the club in, a Premier, in the Premier League. I expect me to put more in than what he's putting in. But Aye, the simple answer is we already have that guy in the building, but he, he just doesn't want to put the investment in that we would hope. Paul McFarland, Stephen needs to invest in a new sound system. Look, we can all hear each other. I'm not pointing fingers, but maybe, <laughs> just maybe, maybe a loose wire, Paul, in there somewhere in your equipment. But, you know, we'll get there and we'll get you on. But, frankly, I mean, just in regards to what Ross was saying, Dermot Desmond is a billionaire, but I don't think he's invested his own money money since 2005. Yes, he stamps his feet and got Rodgers in, but he's kind of left him. 
in the dirt during the January transfer window. He's playing golf with Roy McIlroy. He was pitching with DJ Khaled as well, which was the most random thing I've ever seen in my life. I would welcome outside investment. Anything to help Sally push forward is, is a good thing in my eyes. Oh, totally. I mean, I would welcome outside investment because obviously people would be coming in with their own agendas, I feel like, and stuff. So they'd be wanting to show the fans that they're, they want to take the club in a certain direction. Obviously, they, you would need to buy, you'd need to pump probably a lot of money in it to have that kind of influence on the club and stuff. Um, I mean, we even had Don Mackay in a couple of seasons ago that, I mean, Stolen the idea why this guy left. That we all got told it was family reasons, but suddenly he was in a job back at Scottish Rugby about four weeks after that. So, was it really family yeah. reasons they left Celtic, or was it seemed to be gone in a total different direction? How our board have have went for many and many years, and um, was it maybe just bringing them too many changes that they just didn't want to didn't want to really do? If you like, and uh, I so. I, I would welcome investment, but I think it was Martin that said in the comments, Celtic didn't need investment in the we've got well, well as we speak, we've got you know we've got seventy-two million pounds in the bank. I think if the rumours are true, we could be close to touching ninety million pounds in the bank, maybe a hundred. Celtic didn't really get the fences up, get the fences <laughs> up, they're coming. Celtic, <laughs> uh, when you look at the books, Celtic didn't need investment, so we've yeah. got the money there and I know me and you, Stephen, are ones for saying Celtic go and spend, spend, spend. But I think we're all realistic and saying we're not asking you to spend the seventy-two million. But have a good wee go at it. Like maybe spend yeah. like then you go and spend twenty million on eleven, twelve players. Go and spend twenty million on three or four players. I appreciate it's a wee bit harder because the guy it's Celtic maybe are a wee bit reluctant to go and spend six, seven, eight million pound on one player without the sort of a try before you buy. Um, method that's worked in the past, but I just fucking scout them right, any? Aye, well that's it. Go, go back to go back to get get this pay top dollar for. for I felt like you were game. saying that to him, like he has a scout. Get get a proper scouting system, and not the guy that essentially handed the paper over to the like filed the paper away at the end of the day, and Matt Lawell just. Get a guy that kens what he's doing in the job, and then it's maybe less and less a gamble. I know there will be players that you need, to, you will get like your two, three billion pound players that will come off. Your Hatatis of the world will come off, but there's a reason players cost more now. There's a reason guys like guys that cost six, seven, eight million pound tend to be decent players. It's just, I just, I, Celtic didn't need. I would welcome investment, but Celtic didn't need that. Just spend a wee bit of money and we'll not be fucking ordering them and going about your Celtic. Or we'd probably be a lot comfier in this league if we actually invested a wee bit of cash. Yeah, the right I think they need, to throw, they need to throw away that filing cabinet they have in the scouting department. You see, the thing is, like, we'll probably actually, like, say we do lose the league this season, Celtic will probably end up going spending 50, 40 million pounds. I know. And then I'm like, oh, well, look, with the investment, it's like, I. On but the that's back. reactionary. It's reactionary. Not proactive. But look, we'll finish up here on the, the score predictions for this week's game. First up, we've got Ross. He's come in with Kamarnik 2, Aberdeen 1, St. Murren 2, St. Johnson 0, Hibs 1, Dundee 1, Rangers 2, Hearts 1, Ross County 1, Livingston 1, Motherwell 0, Celtic 2. Franny, 
has come in with Hibs 2, Dundee 0, Kelly 1, Aberdeen 1, Rangers 2, Hearts 2. Very optimistic. Ross County 0, Livingston 0, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 1, Motherwell 1, Celtic 3. Willie comes in with Hearts 2, Dundee 2, Kilmarnock 2, Aberdeen 1, Rangers 1, Hearts 1, Ross County 0, Livingston 1, St. Mirren 1, St. Johnson 0, Motherwell 1, Celtic 3. They must pay that guy a fortune and final score to do that fitting printer. Honestly. <laughs> James has come in. Hibs 1, Dundee 1, Kilmarnock 2, Aberdeen 1, Rangers 2, Hearts 1, Ross County 1, Livingston 0, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 1, Motherwell 0, Celtic 1. Anthony McGinty has come in with Hibs 1, Dundee 2, Kilmarnock 2, Aberdeen 3, <laughs> Rangers 3, Rangers 3, Hearts 1, <laughs> Ross County 0, Livingston 0, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 0, Motherwell 0, Celtic 4. Just bear with me, I'll get Gavin's up. Gavin has come in with Hibs 2, Dundee 0, Kilmarnock 2, Aberdeen 0, Rangers 3, Hearts 0, Ross County 1, Livingston 2, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 1, Motherwell 1, Celtic 2. And then we'll get Jed's up. Finally, I have Jed's this week. <laughs> is Kilmarnock 2, Aberdeen 0, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 1, Hibs 2, Dundee 2, Rangers 2, Hearts 2, Ross County 1, Livingston 1, Motherwell 1, Motherwell, <laughs> Motherwell 1, Celtic 2, Motherwell, that confused <laughs> me. He broke Motherwell twice. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Dunn's come in. <laughs> Kilmarnock, <laughs> Kilmarnock 1, Aberdeen 2, St. Mirren 1, St. Johnson 0, Hibs 2, Dundee 0, Rangers 2, Hearts 2, Ross County 0, Livingston 1, Motherwell 0, Celtic 2, I believe that is, the, the bottom has blocked it off. And finally, myself, is Kilmarnock 1, Aberdeen 1, St. Johnson 2, no, St. Mirren 2, St. Johnson 0, Hibs 2, Dundee 1, Rangers 4, Hearts 1, Ross County 1, Livingston 1, Motherwell 1, Celtic 3. And just a reminder of the table, out in top is McGinty with 22, James 2nd, Ross 3rd, Myself, fourth, Anthony, Dunn, fifth, Willie, sixth, Franny, seventh, Gavin, eighth, and last is Jed, unfortunately. But lads, I am, my mouth is so dry right now, reading all that out. There's 27 <laughs> comments that I've totally missed. I do apologize about that. But I want to go on to the quiz for a bit of crack between hey, these two before we. You taking off the comments? Aye. Taking off the comments. And the comments get involved. This is just a general football and all these quiz, as always. It's nothing to do really with Celtic related here. This will be a bit of fun to end the, end the podcast with. Right, so question one. Obviously, you know the rules. up to five. Whoever gets the most wins. Question one. Who was the first on-cap player sold for over a million pounds in the UK? Trevor Francis. Well, that's nope. Franny. Carlton Palmer. Does he have? No, that's Cole Palmer. Isn't it? Steve Daly in 1979. Never even heard of him. Question two. What name is shared by Scunthorpe, Southend, and Rotherham? United. Yep. Well, well done, Franny. No, Ross got it. Ross got it. Ross got it. Ross got it. United. Shambles, yeah. Question, que- <laughs> question three. Fabian Barthez began his career with which French club? Marseille. Nope. Brannick. Monaco. Nope. To lose. Question four. I'm going to tell you this quiz. <laughs> who, 
Who was England's final substitute in the 2002 quarterfinal defeat by Brazil? Final sub? So who came on last? What kind of question is that? 2002. Yeah. Darren Anderton. Nope. Let's go. Teddy Sheringham. Boom! Teddy Sheringham. Wow. 2 0 the Rover. I was trying to think because it would have been Heskey and Owen up front to begin with, probably. Question five. You go in this, Ross. Emmanuel Petit joined Arsenal from which football club? Monaco. Oh, 2 1. Fucking hell. That's it. Question six. No, you play until you get free at least. So oh, all right. <laughs> Question six. Who played in the first FA Cup final ever to end free each? Middlesbrough and Arsenal? No. Uh, Wimbledon and Arsenal, I meant this. <laughs> no. And just a quick one here, what do you think? Martin, it's just general knowledge to end the podcast. We're not just, <laughs> it's different football questions in between us. Yeah. Liverpool, West Ham? Oh. No, Crystal Palace and Manchester United, 1990. Uh. Question seven. This is <laughs> Who scored Scotland's only goal in the 1986 World Cup finals in Mexico? Archie Gamo. No, Ross. Um, Neri Gordon Strachan still 2-1 still 2-1 <laughs> you can stand up here fucking hell right you right, ready right right <laughs> that's a mantle right Woodskeeper spent 20 years with Portsmouth what Woodskeeper spent 20 years with Portsmouth yeah. Well, a second name day. I go for it. Taylor. I mean, I don't know. It just sounds like it's got. No. Alan Knight. Right. Question eight. One who should get this. Fucking hell. Who was England's goalkeeper when they lost three two to Croatia in two thousand and seven? Joe Hart. Joe Hart. No. Franny. Oh, I know who it was. I think it's I did anyway. David James, or is that too late for him? Wasn't David James? I'll let you go one more time, Ross. Go. Was it Paul Robinson? No, Scott Carson. Right. Question. Question nine. Question nine. Which goalkeeper kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League in two thousand and five to two thousand and six? Fair check. No. No, both wrong. Fuck's sake. Who Jose Reina. Oh, fuck. I'm trying to find something you're going to get here quickly. <laughs> Fucking hell, by the way. Honestly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Question then. Who was Black Blackburn Rovers' number one goalkeeper when they won the Premier League? Tim, Tim Flowers. Franny, two each. What? Wait till he's listening to that back and I bet you it was a million pound it was me because it happened to me the last time. Right, question no 11. 
Roy oh, Keane played his last Premiership game. Roy Keane played his last Premiership game for Man United against which club? West Bromwich Albion. No, Ross. No, that was Gary Neville. Uh, West Ham. Liverpool. Liverpool. Question 12. Who appeared in a TV ad for Bacon before the 1998 World Cup? Peter Schmeichel. Bang! Well done. Well done. (laughs) Well done. I love that. That was brilliant. But lads, yeah, that brings that us was, to the end. That was the... like four one to me there. You know what I mean? But nah, you, nah. <laughs> friendly Gatner. He pulled the back the two weeks and you got a wait crack. Till us, wait till you listen to it back and you'll text me again like you did the last time. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to the end of the, the fourth installment of the double pivot. Have you enjoyed it? Very much I so. Love these Wednesdays. Love these Wednesdays. Aye, 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 aye. It's a wee bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes us off and we a wee road that we wouldn't necessarily go down a normal podcast, but I do appreciate. Everyone who's watched along and the Boise Bus Project Dog at Feed the Bear, Martin's in. Even though he said about the English questions, he was answering them. So it's good to see you getting involved. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But until Friday, when we're back with a normal podcast, to everybody who's watching and going to catch up, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>